Hello and welcome to the Carbohydrate Chronicles, a podcast about glycoscience and glycoscientists. In this show, via a series of interviews, we explore the world of carbohydrate science and innovation from a personal point of view. Your host today is Tamas Shohai, a member of Carbohydrate Scientific Team. As we learned in the past weeks, glycoscience is certainly an interdisciplinary subject where both chemistry and biology play a critical role, both in the understanding and the success of the development. Steering a ship in these waters is a very complex challenge and that needs uh, focus and persistence. Our guest today is Barbara Rikiki, Associate Professor of Chemistry at University of Florence, is a captain of such ship, and uh, she'll help us understand how carbohydrates can be used as building blocks of complex nanomaterials and how glycomimetics are designed. Welcome, Barbara. Thank you for accepting our invitation. So thanks, Tamas, for this invitation. Uh, thanks a lot of also for your words. So you said I'm associate professor in organic chemistry at the Department of Chemistry of the University of Florence. And here I am the PI of the Nano Lab. And uh, we are working in the field of glycoscience, of course. So the science of the studied role of, uh, of glycans uh, in human health and diseases. And so, so why is important this field? I mean, uh, can I say that in um, 2001, science published a, a special issue on carbohydrates and glycobiology. And there, uh, if you see this special issue, the chemistry and the biology of glycans were considered a, a Cinderella field compared to, to the other molecule. But the technological advance we had in the field uh, make today the story quite different. So uh, what we know is simple, as you said, and is relevant as well. So glycan cell surface are molecular antenna. They mediate recognition process, they drive communication among cells and cells and pathogens. And so the alteration, the composition of these glycans affect this recognition. And so it results a significant impact in human health. So in this way, this, the study of the role of glycans and the glycans modification as well opens a relevant opportunity for the understanding of the molecular basis of some disease, but also for the identification of innovative therapeutic opportunity. Thank you for introducing your main field of, of expertise and the high level, the, the topics that you work on. So I've looked at your career and, and as I've seen, uh, you have been at several universities in Italy during your studies and later in your academic career. Where are you from originally? So actually, I come from the south of Italy, from a beautiful region that is named Calabria. And uh, I used to live actually my life with a, a travel bag on my hands, you know. And so I have been graduated in uh, Sicily in pharmaceutical science at the University of Messina in uh, Sicily. And then uh, I was a lot around before getting the permanent position in Florence. What was your basic motivation to, to choose pharmaceutics? Uh, is it uh, I don't know, tradition in the family or, or no. some devotion in the childhood? How did you pick this, this subject? <laughs> I mean, uh, I am uh, the first of four girls. So we have a big family. And uh, my parents prompted prompt also me to study and learn from them how important knowledge is. And we never stopped learning. But actually, science was not in the background of my family. My father is a lawyer. 
and my mother is a director of elementary school. So when I told them I wanted to study chemistry, it was the 90s, and they asked me, are you sure? We can't help <laughs> you on this, you know. But I was, I like chemistry, and I mean, I was uh, young, so I thought, okay, the main objective here is to create molecules and drugs, you know, that can help. That, so this was the, the beginning of everything for, for me. Do you remember why was it chemistry? No, I, mean... I just studied chemistry at uh, school and I like it. And uh, I like to, to, to produce molecules. That's it. That's why I like that. And I like the connection with biology as well. And from the very beginning, uh, the idea was to to direct towards towards medicine? I mean, how, how to use chemistry for the help of, of humans or these living beings or just in general? Yeah, yeah, sure. This was, this was the main topic, yeah, to do, to produce drugs that can help for cure diseases. But, you know, you know, this was at the beginning of this story. It's still like that, that, you know, when you're young, you start dreaming and dreaming and dreaming. And uh, when did you first met carbohydrates? So the, the story is funny because actually carbohydrates were not my first love doing research. I did my PhD in nucleotide chemistry and focused on the synthesis of nucleotide mimics. I mean, nucleotides contain carbohydrates, but the chemistry I was involved was quite different from carbohydrate chemistry. It was many cycle addition reaction, that actually I'm still working on it. When I talked also with other PhD student, my colleague that worked uh, uh, with uh, carbohydrates, I was wondering why they like this topic. So honestly, I was really then lucky because I had the chance during my training to work with different mentors in Italy and also outside the country. And from all of them, I learned a lot. But, you know, there are some people that you meet in your life, they are making a significant change in their life. And I had two people that did this for me, two scientists. And uh, so there is a particular, an advanced school on organic chemistry in Italy. This is for PhD students. is the Attilio Corbella School, which is in Garniano, in Brescia. And I attended this school during my last year of my PhD. In particular, I attended a lecture of Professor Alessandro Dondoni from the University of Ferrara. He's a well-known pioneering Italian carbohydrate chemistry. Today, he's retired. And so after his lecture, I fell in love with carbohydrates. <laughs> I was strongly persuaded. I wanted working on this field. And I did. And here I am. And so I did one year postdoc in his lab and then uh, I went to Florence working in a just born startup of the University of Florence. I focus on glycoconjugate derivative or inhibitors of matrix metalloproteinases but the, soon after I had the chance to have a short contract at the university and uh, I, I took this chance and uh, then I got my permanent position as an um, assistant professor eight years after my PhD and then I was promoted as associate professor. But then there is a second relevant people I met that was uh, Robert Saxton of the Florida International University. He was at the Harvard Medical School at that time, and he was the director of the program of excellence in glycoscience in Harvard. 
And so I look at him, you know, as a super big boss, as he really is. And he's a renowned bone marrow transplant physician, but he also made biomedical research. And so he developed a, a, a unique platform technology for steering the trafficking of cells to the disease site. And he has a lot of clinical trials, and so he's doing amazing research. Anyway, I met him at a glycoconjugate congress in Split, and he did an inspiring lecture, and he showed a slide about the relevance of making a synergy between biologists, medicians, and chemists for getting a successful translational glycoscience that can really help to cure human diseases. So after his talk, I asked him, do you truly believe in what you claim? So do you really work as a physician and a researcher in this way? And look at me and say, why are you asking this? And so we start talking and he, he really inspired my future research. And to date, we have a patent, a US patent on focusing transferases inhibitors, a paper published, another in preparation, and a, and a European project founded. This is a fascinating story. And I think you're very lucky to have such role models. You mentioned that you have done studies also outside Italy. Do you find it critical for a researcher to gain such experience in, in yeah. other countries? That's for sure. That's for sure because uh, this opens your mind and uh, looking at different way of working help you to improve your knowledge and your expertise. And uh, also, I uh, was also doing a, a different type of, um, let's say, uh, not only chemistry in, in the different lab. So I was able to, to do uh, biological tests and, and the tests on cells. And so he helped me also to understand uh, the properties of the molecule that I, I was working on. So you can uh, have a complete background, you know, a full background on this way. So I think it is a very important. So, so you have been in Florence for a long time now, 20 years. I've been to Florence and I know the city and, and I know that it can certainly charm you. But what is it in Florence that enchanted you? I mean, uh, I guess the reason is because uh, uh, after a lot of time, I was able to get my permanent position here. And then uh, after 2017, Okay, I start with my home group and I can do what I love to do. So, and my job and whatever. And so. Yeah, certainly. I was actually on the honeymoon in Florence. It, it, it was one of the, the best, but certainly the most beautiful among all the cities that, that we have visited. As you mentioned, that, that you can do what you, what you like in your lab in Florence. So what is it, Barbara, that you that you really like in the research that you're doing now? What is your main motivation that makes you get out of the bed and run to the lab? Actually, uh, I really like teaching and uh, teaching in the lab and teaching with lecture to students. But uh, what I really like of this job is to be inspired, uh, reading a paper, attending a lecture, or, or just talking with students and collaborators. So I like when, uh, you know, you have the feeling that merging the, the efforts of expertise and interdisciplinarity allow you to build up something like simple, simply a research project 
or a manuscript, or when you realize that you created the knowledge that can help. And this is the fascinating aspect of this job that you can create with your experimental work and your vision knowledge. And so we, you have to, to keep in mind this and must carefully consider what you are publishing for them. I get it. And I wanted to ask, because you mentioned that you have been working in a startup but you actually chose chose the academic career because of your fascination in, in teaching and education and that you felt more inspired in sure. that environment. Sure, this was the reason. I mean, I like to collaborate with the industry because I think that we need interconnection between uh, academia and the industry. I strongly believe in that. And uh, because if we want to, to create the knowledge, then this knowledge has to be used to create something. And we need the industry to do that. And we have to think about our research with an industry perspective as well. Yes, I completely agree with that. So what do you do when you're, when you're not in the lab? Do you have free time to have hobbies? Uh, yeah, I mean, when I have a f all the free time that I ever tried to spend with, uh, with my daughter, she's Noemi, she's eight, and with mm -hmm. my big family, and uh, I like traveling, I like listening, you seeing red bike. Let's talk a little bit about your research. There are three main activities that your lab is doing. You're creating glycomimetics, you're also working on the synthesis and functionalization of glycomaterials, as, as well as fluorescent probes. So did you come up with these project ideas? So actually, uh, glycomimetics is uh, the, the creation of glycomimetics is the project I've been working for a long time. And uh, whereas uh, the other two projects uh, are new projects I'm working on. And so they, the idea of the lab is uh, to try to give our contribution, uh, creating uh, enabling technologies that can make the role of glycans more un understandable. And uh, I guess that glycomimetics, glyconanomaterials, and glycofluorescent probes, there is always glyco, as you can see <laughs> in my words, can help with that. So when we design this kind of uh, tools, uh, we are thinking about, about this. So can you explain one by one what these are so that everyone understands and, and why they are important in your opinion as a researcher? Sure. So glycomimetics are a small molecule that actually mimic the structural and the functional information of natural carbohydrates. So you can play with the structure of this molecule and you can overcome the poor drug-like properties of the natural carbohydrates, or you can try to improve affinity. In our lab, we have a methodology that allows to access to a library of uh, a glycomimetics compound that have a high degree of structural diversity. So we are in particular studying the use of this glycomimetic for the custom modification of the glycosylation of a cell surface. And so we can, uh, with this mimetic, uh, modulate and inhibit the creation of a specific glycan determinants 
which are involved uh, in uh, and are overexpressed in cancer and are involved in cancer progression. And uh, these probes are selective because uh, we do not affect the creation of other physiological focus-related determinants. And uh, we are really happy with this project because, and we recently got also an European project on that, that give us uh, a lot of opportunity to continue this research. And then uh, the other topic is uh, glyconanomaterials. Uh, so actually the, the main focus of the lab is uh, to try to, to use one of the most abundant polymer we have in the heart, which is cellulose, uh, to create a new generation of nanomaterials that we are studying in different contexts, and in particular for the enhancement of radiotoxicity on, uh, in cancer treatment. We have also a patent on this. And then uh, we, have, uh, we are working also on fluorescent uh, probes, so we design modular and functional glyco and glycan binding fluorescent probe that we are studying the, the context of bioimaging, but also um, for photodynamic therapy. And among the three topics, do you have a particular focus? How do you manage all, all the three at once? So it's just, some studies are dedicated to different projects, but for sure, uh, glycomimetic, the topic of the glycomimetics and glyconanomaterials are more focused. We are more focused on this, uh, on this too. Earlier, you mentioned the importance of industrial collaborations and to have a, a look at these, these research topics with an industrial eye. So do you see the, the glycoscience as an emerging and growing research interest within the industry too? I think so. There are a lot of companies which are glyco-oriented companies that have been built there. And so this is uh, this means that something is happening uh, on this field. But uh, I think that uh, we need to make stronger connection. And uh, we need to be a unique and a merge community, you know, that to work on this field, uh, to create innovation together. And so to create uh, knowledge and basic research that can be used then to do applied research. And of course, for applied research, we need clinicians and we need industry. Yes, yes, definitely. It's a complete translational route and a very interdisciplinary topic. You also mentioned the grant that you're just starting. Could you tell more about that? Yeah, sure. It's a Mercury Doctoral Network that was recently funded within the Horizon Europe program. And the name is Glycan Drug. It's a training network on the design of precision therapeutics that target key glycan motif implicated in cancer. So we have a big consortium involving outstanding scientists in glycoscience. Um, so I don't know if you can mention them. Salsoreza uh, of i 3 Health, Ramon Hurtado Guerrero of Saragoza, Jesus Angulo in Sevilla, and Eric Clausen from Glycodisplay in the Center of Glycomics, and Mark Clausen from the DTU, Marco Anderluck from uh, the University of Ljubljana, and also Anna Duin-Lepere from um, uh, Lille, University of Lille. 
And then we have a strong connection with industry because we have a six more company which are associated partner. One of them, of course, is the, we have the pleasure to, to work with Carbohyde. Then we have also a U.S. partner, which is Robert Saxton of the Florida International University. And so we are going to study glycomimetics as inhibitor of focusing transferases and cyanine transferases, and then also short-chain antibodies fragment that selectively recognize cancer-associated glycans together with the peptide part of the peptide backbone where these glycans are linked on the surface. So PhD student will be 10 PhD student uh, will be trained in this field by a scientist, scientist and have a unique opportunity to have a secondment both in the industry and also in the academia. I'm rather sure that this this will contribute a lot to advancing the the topics that you're working on, especially on, on glycomimetics. When are you starting the project? Uh, December 1st. Based on my understanding, the topics, the psychoscience topics that you work on are really relevant, but also they're very, very complex. So in your opinion, what is the biggest challenge for these innovations that you are doing to advance from research to the clinical stage and, and later to the patients? So what is the biggest challenge in, in your opinion? So about this, uh, the project I'm working on, uh, I have to say that the, what is important is a uh, connection again, a connection with industry and connection with clinicians, because uh, we need to, let's say, modify our molecule uh, according with the, the biological effect they have and also according with, uh, I don't know, the manufacturing process that we need to prepare them. And we are looking a lot at the manufacturing process, for example, for the production of glyconanomaterials, because this is a big challenge on the translation of these kind of tools. So you need to have manufacturing processes which are scalable and with high batch-to-batch reproducibility. In general, for glycoscience, I think that we need a much stronger um, collaborative effort between scientists working in different disciplines. We need to merge expertise and to understand that things are not fixed and closed, but interconnected. And I think that the recent discovery of glycorna by Ryan Flynn and Caroline Bertozzi is the proof of this. And then also, I, I already talked about clinicians, that uh, uh, we have to make uh, them aware that they are still working using glycoscience concept to cure people. But also, we need also to include the basic glycoscience concept into the educational program of undergraduate student. In your experience, the current education is not, not sufficient? I mean, in the last five years, it uh, was better. And uh, but we still need to do much more. I mean, if you think also about uh, books, that uh, if you want to do a, a course on glycoscience, the book is uh, the essential of a glycobiology that you can refer, you know, and uh, so it's uh, quite comprehensive, but it's too much for undergraduate student. We need some, something that is uh, simple. I think that Canon um, Bertot and the Nobel Prize she got was very important for the field because uh, this make uh, 
made understandable that actually glycoscience can provide a lot for, for example, the development of glycan-based therapeutics, precision therapeutics. So, and we are the mid in the era of precision therapy. That certainly helps a lot if, if someone is winning a Nobel Prize in, in the field to gain publicity. And, and also, so she's, she's contributing a, a lot to raise awareness about, about the topic sure. and how it can be translated into, into actual therapies. Barbara, if you look back at your whole career, is there a, a specific project or, or accomplishment that you're particularly proud of? For sure, the work I'm doing now with glycomagnetics and focusing transferases. I'm really proud about that because uh, the beginning, uh, I didn't. The beginning, I didn't expect uh, to have uh, such kind of results, and uh, now I'm really thrilled to, to move forward with that. You emphasize that how how much you care about education and and training of of students. So. What would be your advice for young researchers? So is that trust and believe in yourself and talk, talk, talk with your colleague and your mentors. If you do not have a mentor, find your mentor and collaborate and be open. And even if people tell you that you are evaluated by numbers, that you create like papers, graduate student, PhD student, whatever, I mean, they are right. But the mistake is getting carried away by this idea and forgetting the real reason, the real inspiration for which we do this job. That's that's a wonderful, wonderful summary, I think, uh, and a good advice to take. I have just one question left, which we're asking all the guests. So if you could have dinner with any historical figure or celebrity that are alive, who would it be and why? So definitely Rita Levi-Montalcini. Yeah. I met Rita Levi-Montalcini when I was 20. She was so motivated and so inspired that despite the world and the prejudice of that time, she believed on her feeling that inspired her and led her to be the woman she was. So definitely Rita Levi-Montalcini. And, and you said you met her at, yeah. in your 20s? And how was it? I mean, what, what were the circumstances? It was amazing. It was amazing. It was, uh, I look at her, I was waiting for, you know, big boss. She was a, a little woman and so kind and so friendly. And she encouraged us. I was with a friend of mine there. I was studying at the university at that time. And she had a really nice word for us. And she was lovely. She was lovely. I think you're you're the only one so far who who actually named the person whom they already met before, and, uh, yeah. and yeah, but it does does a lot about uh, focusing a lot on people who are inspiring us and following those mm -hmm. those lines in 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 your life. I hope you enjoyed the most recent episode of Carbohydrate Chronicles today delivered to you by Carbohydrate. We talked with Barbara Rikiki from Florence University and learned how important role models can be, as well as opening minds in other labs and other environments. And it's very critical that, that we need to find a source of inspiration in our, in our work that this will, this will eventually guide our way. It was really lovely 
to to host you today, Barbara. I'm very glad that you accepted the invitation and, and thank you very much for the stimulating discussion. Thanks to you, Tamaz. I would like to thank Cabo Hyde for this initiative. I think it's very important because it helps to, to talk with people and to young students and uh, in general to people about glyphosate science. Uh, and this is important, very important for the field. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Barbara. Thank you all for listening to this interview. Next week, in our next episode of Carbohydrate Chronicles, we'll talk with Laszlo Shomshak, professor of organic chemistry at the University of Debrecen, expert in the synthesis of glycomimetics and biologically active carbohydrates. So we'll dive even deeper into this topic. Your host was Tomasz Haider from Carbohyde. I hope you will join me in our next session too. See you in one week. Goodbye.